Welcome to My Name is Not Steve, the podcast by storytellers about storytelling with people not named Steve. Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Pete Bauer. I am an author. I used to write screenplays. I used to work in the entertainment industry back in the day. I used to act a little bit. And my name is not Steve. And I am Dorothea Bauer. I am Pete Bauer's daughter. I just graduated from college. I work in communications and I am here for marketing purposes. Super interesting. And my name is also not Steve. Yeah, so the reason we named this podcast My Name is Not Steve is that both of us have had challenges in our lives with people not calling us our real name. My parents named me Peter Bauer. Um, they started calling me Stephen almost immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and for whatever reason, the rest of the world has seemed to follow suit. There are many times, many times, like a billion times in my life when I'd introduce myself. I'd be, hi, I'm Pete. And they'd go, Steve? And I'd be, no, Pete. <laughs> this has been an ongoing thing. I mean, people who know me, when they introduce me to others, will call me Steve. It's just the weirdest thing. So I'm trying to just put the record straight and say, my name is not Steve. I have had a wide variety of names yes. throughout my lifetime, none of which are mine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's certainly been an interesting ride. My name is Dorothea. It is a family name. It is. And no one seems to like it outside of our family. <laughs> the, <laughs> many people are confused by it, it seems. People call me Dorothy, which will result in your murder, just for the record. <laughs> uh, some people have called me Dorothea, Dorthea. What's my favorite? Your favorite is when my gym coach in high school called me Dorothrea for an entire year. Dorothrea. <laughs> that one always confused me. That's awesome. Because it's not really close. No, it's not. I don't know where all those extra letters came from. Because they weren't written down. <laughs> but I've also had people give me nicknames that are also not mine. I've had people call me Doro, which will also result in your murder. Although that one's going to be a little bit slower. <laughs> and <laughs> I've had my boss one day decided just to call me D. And she said, well, I'm just going to call you D because that's easier. <laughs> like what? And I said, well, I'm just going to call you Kevin because that's easier. <laughs> I've also had people call me Doe. It's, it's been a journey. Yeah. Yeah. So we've both been challenged <laughs> in this respect. The other name that I get called, if it's not Steve, is Keith. So I actually considered my pen name to be Keith Stevens because I figured at that point everyone will know who I really am. So I have an older brother named Steven, and this is the root cause of all of my problems in this area. And my mom would call me Steven and then quickly correct it to Peter. So uh, later on, it just became to Peter. So <laughs> that's why the show is called My Name is Not Steve. We just needed to set this record straight. We do have names. Yes, and, and, and I even my parents, I just kind of begged them to use the name they gave me. That would have been nice. <laughs> they just didn't want to play along. Well, in their defense, it wasn't the name they wanted to give you. No, no, but we won't talk about that name <laughs> because that's even worse. That's that, true. That would have been awful. So anyway, um, <laughs> this is our podcast. We're going to talk about storytelling. We've both been involved in either writing stories or performing in stories. 
We're big fans of movies, have studied movies. I'm, like I said, writing a novel series called the Gabby Wells Novel Series. The first book, Neil and Prey, should be out in the first quarter of 2015. Dorothea, you've been an actor and you've been your own writer. And so we just are going to talk about story, storytelling, story analysis, things like that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited about it. We're basically taking our daily conversations and adding a microphone. Yes, because we're that interesting. We're so interesting. (laughs) There's no planning involved in this. We're just brilliant all the time. Yeah. So you're welcome, world. Yes, I wish that were true. (laughs) All right, so let's start off by just giving an update on what's going on in our lives. We have a company called Sunlight Press that we're creating this, as I mentioned, this novel series. It's called the Gabby Wells Thrillers. And the first book, as I mentioned, Neil and Prey, got sent to the editor, and the editor is currently working on it. So that's great. Woohoo! Yes, big big deal there, because that's the last step in the process before we then format it and get it out into ebook and, and print form. And the second book in the series, Lost and Found, I'm writing. I, I got done with another draft, and I'm just, there's parts of it, there are parts of it that just frustrate me, and I haven't quite figured out what to do with those yet. I've thought a lot about it. And I still haven't come up with a solution. So, you know, that's fine. Well, I keep telling you to include dinosaurs. Yeah, I know. That's true. (laughs) I don't know what the problem is. (laughs) Yeah, Jurassic thriller. That'd be great. Uh, So that's what's going on right there. And we're also working on marketing ideas for how to promote the first book in the series and and so on and so forth. My job is actually becoming a lot easier because I will soon have a product to market. Yeah. (laughs) We've had this series in the works for a while now, and some books have changed order and release dates and plot lines. So it, it was a little difficult in the beginning, but now we actually have some momentum, which is really exciting. Yeah, and I kept changing my mind about how we were going to market stuff, so that didn't help a lot either, because I'd be like, all right, first, we're going to go to this core demographic. No, let's not do that. Let's ignore them for the first part, and let's do this. Oh, let's do both, and whatever, and you'd be like, look, just tell me what the hell we're doing. That would have been nice. So, it's New Year's. It's just started the new year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So, um, do you have any resolutions that you'd like to share? Not on record. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) They're very personal New Year's resolutions. Uh, I will share some of my professional New Year's resolutions, however. All right. That is to be more dedicated to this whole process. Because we both have day jobs, it's easy to get caught up in your daily life and in your day job and all the other things that are going on. And sometimes it's hard to remember that you have to be equally as dedicated to this whole second company that we've started. So last year was kind of a learning experience for us in that respect. And this year I'm really excited because we have a lot of stuff in the works that I think people are really going to enjoy. And I am ready to get to work. I'm ready to put you to work. (laughs) So nothing's changed. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So if I had to look at our professional resolutions, at least for me, it kind of falls into three areas. I was listening to a podcast. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts about writing and uh, independent publishing and marketing. And one of the really good pieces of advice I heard recently from an author, Joanna Penn, was that you have to prioritize your work so that when new ideas come in to your brain, 
you'll know where that fits into your overall goals and priority. So if I had to like take the three things that I really want to achieve this year and make them resolutions. The first thing obviously is, is production of the books, right? I need to make sure that I continue to write every day and that by the end of the year, we have hopefully at least four books that are done. So that's a lot of writing and a lot of work, but that is the number one priority, obviously, in a business is your product. The second thing is you want to have a direct relationship with your fans and your customers. So we really want to work hard to do a better job of developing a mailing list. Uh, one of the things that you struggle with in business is access to your customers. And if you rely on any distribution channel solely, like let's say we made keychains, right? And Walmart said, hey, we want to sell your keychains. That'd be great. But if I don't have my keychains in other stores, then if Walmart changes its mind about our product or how much they're willing to sell our product for or anything like that, then I've lost all the power. I'm stuck with whatever decisions Walmart has made. So the best thing you could do if we made keychains is to have the people who like our keychains let us have a direct contact with them through their email address. So we're going to do that. We really want to focus on that this year to try to develop uh, an email list of our fan base so that we can send them information, have a lot of fun, you know, give them value through the information we share or free books or whatever. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing is marketing in the form of this podcast and blog updates and working with our core demographic audience. And so if we have a new idea that comes up during the year, because we think about stuff all the time, I'll know that, okay, well, is it production-based? Because that's the number one thing. Is it about growing our mailing list? Because that's the second thing. Or is it about marketing? And that's the third thing. If it's not one of those three things, then maybe we just don't do it this year. Maybe we do it next year. How mad do you think our listeners would get at us if we created a Gabby Wells commercial and then placed it right smack in the middle of this podcast? That'd probably annoy them. <laughs> <laughs> Probably annoy me, I think. <laughs> We're going to talk to you about Gabby Wells, but wait, commercial time. <laughs> There's more. <laughs> and then we'll be like, buy one, get one. And, you know, but that's not all. Things like that. But there are definitely lessons to be learned. And I'm excited. Yeah, me too. But it is New Year's. And I've seen a lot of New Year, New You campaigns going out, especially uh. for gyms. Which is brilliant yes. from an advertising perspective. That tagline was fantastic when it was new. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's amazing about gym memberships is it's based on guilt and they make all the money from it, right? So, so they give you a little bit of hope tied to a lot of guilt and they say, so we're going to give you the, the idea, the validation that you're actually going to be this other person and you're going to pay us and we're going to sign you up for a whole year. And you're going to pay us month by month. In two weeks, you're going to bail on us. And you're not going to show up at the gym. And we don't have to worry about maintaining the equipment for you or washing your towels or cleaning the, the, the locker room for you. And then you're going to keep paying us all year round. That's a great business model. That being said, I really do like my gym. <laughs> <laughs> well, you actually go. Right? I do. I mean, but so many people buy the membership to feel good about an idea. And they're not willing to do the work. But January 1st is a very exciting day because it is a brand new start and you get to decide what your goals are going to be for the year, what you are going to do with your life and what changes you want to make and how to make them. And for us, we decided that we wanted to be called our actual names. Hmm. So that was a really big change. Yeah. And 
Hopefully other people will play along. <laughs> that would be nice. I'm I'm really hoping so. So it's cool to have that day where you get to break all of your New Year's resolutions because you're probably hungover or in some ditch somewhere, had a great night the night before. What kind of parties do you go to? <laughs> hey, I'm a recent college graduate. Wow. You don't want to hear the stories. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> but you get to decide what this year's going to hold for you. And it's quite similar to when you're writing as well, because we're both writers and there have been plenty of times where you're writing characters and they take you places you never thought they would. But ultimately, you get to decide what's going to happen in that story, which is very cool. I remember I was writing one story, which I told you about, and I wrote a huge plot twist and I came to you and I was all excited about it and I described the whole scene and... I said, you know, based on history, this really doesn't make sense. Like actual history, not history within the book. But, you know, I'm the writer, so I'm going to do whatever I want. (laughs) It's my story. I get to make that choice. And that's really exciting. Well, the great thing about New Year's is that you get to recreate yourself. You get to create a new identity if you want. And uh, that's the fun stuff about resolutions and New Year's. It's it's, my wife is really good about for her. It's really important that she has a, a dedicated start time to make changes in her life. Like for me, I if I want to change something, I'll just change it whenever I feel I need to. Where my wife is like, well, I want to start at the beginning of the week or the beginning of the month or the beginning of the year. And that's why so many people like New Year's because they feel like it's a do-over button. It becomes so much easier to go on the lam with that new identity. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But part of creating new goals for yourself is also knowing who you are and where you've been before. So we were both actors. We were. Which was a very interesting time. Yeah, but we were not actors at the same time. We were not. (laughs) Well, that's actually not entirely true. You did do one play while I was acting. That's true. That's true. It was my big comeback. (laughs) It was a a big thing on Broadway or it was off, off, off Broadway. It was down the road, but it was was popular. In another state. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a huge part of acting. Before you can portray another character, you have to know who you are and what you can bring to that character from your own life experiences. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And one thing, I I wish everyone actually had some basic acting lessons because it does force you to evaluate yourself and identify your strengths and weaknesses so that if you're going to portray someone who is weak where you are strong, uh, then you're going to have to work a little harder as an actor to to make that believable. And I have found that training of analyzing myself very beneficial when I want to make improvements in my life. And that training is really helpful in business, actually, or just interacting with people because you learn to observe people and try to figure out what makes them tick. And so that when you interact with them, it's easy to read people and then therefore understand where they're coming from. And uh, it just makes it the interaction with people so much easier because you have some information that a lot of people just rely on gut instinct and, and you have some analysis that has a good chance of being accurate about the type of person and what drives that person that you're, you're interacting with. And there are always those few qualities that are very important to the person. There are two things I know about you that... Uh-oh. <laughs> If someone does either one of these two things, it sets you off on a whole nother level. I do have a couple pet peeves (laughs) in my life, and you're probably talking about those, I guess, right? Yes. Well, well, yeah. The the first one is wasting my time. You know, I look. I've had (laughs) I've had Crohn's disease 
over half my life and I've had a lot of health problems and surgeries and near death experiences and what have you. And it's been a real challenge, but out of the, the outcrop of all of those experiences is that I really value my time because I know that we're only here for however God wants us here. So I, I don't want to waste my time. And I, and, and when I started doing that, actually, you know, when you're younger, you, you have a lot of friends and then when I started to, to have these health challenges and, and was a little more cognizant of my time here, I kind of realized there's some people I don't want in my life. Not, not, not that I wanted to get rid of them in a mean way, but it's just that they, they weren't adding value in my life. They were, may have been toxic or negative people or pessimistic people. I'm a pretty upbeat, positive person. So I, I just kind of realized, you know, I only have so much time and I just, I cherish what I will invest my time in. So whether it's writing or going to different social events. There's a lot of things I don't do because I don't want to invest my energy in that. And, and I don't mean to sound selfish because there's a lot of things I do that aren't selfish, but it's just, it changed my worldview on time. So when my poor kids, like you, when you were growing <laughs> up, if the worst thing you could do was, was I felt like if I, you were wasting my time because you guys were, you know, as a kid, one of the things you want to do is kind of irritate your parents for fun. And, um, and that was a waste of time to me <laughs> on the receiving end of that, even though I was really good doing that with my parents. And, uh, and so I would get irritated pretty quick. I'm like, what, 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 what are you trying to do? What do you want? And you guys would just push my buttons for fun. Would. <laughs> or do. Do is probably more accurate. <laughs> That's true. You guys still do that. But the, the other thing that really drives me nuts is when people challenge my integrity. The first time I realized that that was a problem for me <laughs> was when I was in high school. So to put this in perspective, growing up, we had access to the worst cars made in mankind's history. Didn't one of your brothers have to use a hammer to start? No, no, that's an, I'll explain. No, that was, <laughs> it was a steak knife. But, but the thing is, is that in the 70s, there's a statistic, and I don't remember the exact statistic, but it's something like this. During a period of time in the 70s, more cars were recalled because they were broken or something was wrong with them than manufactured. That's how bad the quality of auto manufacturing was in the 70s. So when I was growing up and my, my brothers, I come from a large family, and the younger set, my brother Paul, Charles, and I, when we were growing up, the cars that we had access to were the old crappy 70s cars that were old and crappier. So they were <laughs> awful. I'll give you an example. My brother Paul had a car. It was a Comet. It was a Maverick Comet, and it was a rust bucket. Every time you would close the door a little pyramid of rust would form below it because it's the vibration of closing the door, you'd always hear, and there would just be this pile of rust. It was a piece of crap. The first VW Bug that my brother Charles had, I, you know, I don't know how our parents let us get into these things. They were so awful. Charles is, uh, had his blue VW Bug, and the passenger side floor was rusted out. So when we would go to high school, I had to put my feet like on the sideboard and where the gear shift was because it was a Flintstones car. There was no floor and you could just see the road passing by below you and you could like drop stuff onto the road <laughs> if you wanted to. And it was it was a, it was so dangerous. I don't know 
How, my wife, um, she had a, I think it was a Chevette, and every time she took a left at a stoplight, the electrical system would, would shut down, <laughs> and then it wouldn't come back on until she was going straight again. So this were the, the type of cars that were options for teenagers. So the second VW Bug my brother Charles had was the one that needed the steak knife. So the starter didn't work well. There was some flaw in the connection in the starter. So he had to jump that. He had to like make a jump and connect that connection that wouldn't work. And the starter was located somewhere near the back wheel. So what he had is he had a, a cheap steak knife in the glove compartment with a plastic handle. And he would turn the car on and it wouldn't start, of course. And then he had to lay on the ground and he would just, and he knew, he did this so often, he didn't have to look where he was putting the knife, right? It was awful. So he just put the knife and he'd just have it touch both sides of the starter. It would arc and start. And he actually melted a little bit of the handle <laughs> because of this constant arcing, right? So this is the car we're driving to school. So one day, it, it had rained that morning and I'm driving, and I'm, I'm sitting in the back seat on the left side behind the driver. And there's this long stretch of road where our middle school used to be and where the St. Louis Cardinals minor league um, facility used to be. So we were driving there and suddenly we're on our way to high school and suddenly I feel like my, my stomach drop, right? Like you're on a roller coaster ride. And then there's this loud bang. And I realize that I'm, I'm far closer to the road than I was a few seconds ago. <laughs> and the back wheel on this car has come off <laughs> while we're driving. And I just remember seeing it like like out of a bad 50s movie or a cartoon, this wobble right by our window, just like, whoop, 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 whoop. and it went past us, right? Because we were slowing down and the wheel just kept wobbling down the road. And we slide on the, you know, the axles grinding against the pavement and we pull over and we're like, what the hell? So the, the, the back wheel fell off of our car. So we look and there's no damage. It's not like something snapped. All the, all the hub and, and the axle are intact. It's just the, the wheel came off. The lug nuts came off. So we run up and we some of us get the tire and others are searching. Like this is morning traffic, people going to school. They're, it's like this two or three lane road. And, and we're trying to find like a lug nut, like a little lug nut in the middle of this road during like morning rush hour traffic. So we get the, the lug nuts and then we get the tire and we bring it back and we get the jack and we put the tire back on. So... I get to school and obviously I'm late for algebra. It's my first class of the day. I think I was in ninth grade, maybe ninth or 10th grade. Now you have to understand, I was, I was one of the most boring teenagers ever in the history of teenhood. I, um, <laughs> I didn't, you know, smoke or drink or whatever. I didn't party. I didn't do drugs. I was an honor roll student. I never skipped class. I did all my homework. I mean, I was boring as hell, but you know, I, I figured teachers would appreciate the students who did that, you know? So I get to class and I have, I have like crap all over my shirt and my hands because you know we had to put we had to put on a wet tire before school. So I get in there and the teacher's like, "You're late, Mr. Bauer." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I'm sorry that you're not gonna believe this, but the back wheel fell off my brother's car." And she's like, "Yeah, okay, you're gonna have to stay after school." And I was so pissed off. I was like, I was like hot pissed because and this is where I realized the integrity thing. It's like this, I I'm an awesome student. This is this teacher should love me. I should get the benefit of the doubt. The tire fell off on the way to school. So I didn't appreciate at the time that that's probably not the first time she'd heard that as an excuse, right? But I had like crap all over me. So I sit down and I'm just so pissed off because damn it, 
I'm a good student and you should appreciate me. And why <laughs> why are you challenging my integrity? You think I would lie about that? That's stupid. You think I get all dirty like this for nothing? Just for algebra? Are you kidding me? So I sit down and I'm really irritated. And I'll never forget, there's this girl in the back that I, I didn't really know very well. Um, usually the kids in the back were the ones who didn't really want to be in school, you know. So I, I don't want to make that assumption, but she could have been one of those people who just kind of didn't want to be in school or didn't do her schoolwork or was all the things that I wasn't, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, she sweetly raises her hand and she says, um, excuse me? And the teacher's like, yes. And she's like, um, their tire did fall off their car because on the way to school, we saw the tire kind of going down the road. <laughs> and so... So it's true. He's not lying, you know. And so the teacher's like, oh, all right. Well, then I, I, you don't have to stay after school. And, I, and then I was like, all right, well, that's nice. But why the hell does her word <laughs> mean more than mine? I'm the good student. What what benefit is it to be in a, an honor roll student who always does their homework and never gets in trouble that you can't believe them when their tire falls off on the way to school? So that was the first time that I realized, now, look, I'm not always, I haven't always in my life had the greatest integrity, but it's something that my dad instilled in us is that you are grateful for opportunities that you have. Your work represents you. So even if it's digging ditches, if you have a job to dig ditches, you, you know, the ones you're laying in after your party. <laughs> hey, that... I did not say that I was the one <laughs> laying in the ditch. But I uh, merely helped the people out of the ditch. Ah. So if I was the one that dug that ditch, I should be appreciative because God gave me that opportunity and that ditch digging is a reflection of me. So all this was instilled in, by my dad. And so I didn't realize how much of a driving like core part of my identity that was until that moment. And then now I realize even today, if I'm at work and someone questions my integrity or my work ethic, I get really pissed off like like instinctively. And I think of those lug nuts, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> so then I, I have to calm down and, and really trying to find out what the what the issue is. But yeah, it's one of the things that sets me off. And it I didn't realize it until my tire fell off on the way to school. I love that during rush hour traffic with many people on their way to both work and school, so many of them saw three teenagers walking about the street looking for a tire and lug nuts and did not help. <laughs> yeah, well, everyone had places to be, I guess. <laughs> We were late. Um, yeah, so it's one of those core parts of my identity that, that happened. And so when you're acting or writing, you kind of have to figure out what are some of these core things that make this character you're either portraying or you're creating, what are the core things about that character that makes them tick? You know, what are the things that set them off if they're challenged in a certain way? I can say with like Gabby Wells, for example, she's one of the most loyal people in the world. And if you challenge one of her friends in a way that she deems unjust, watch out. That sets her off, and she feels very protective of her friends and very loyal, and she's like a bull and just goes to fix your problem and isn't really aware of all the collateral damage that she's creating behind her. But that's, for example, in, in fiction, and in the character I'm writing, one of the core things is, is her loyalty and her defense of her friends. You challenge her friends or give her injustice, it sets her off as much as challenging my integrity. So it'll be exciting to read. I hope so. <laughs> That's kind of the idea. Exciting or depressing? No, one it's or the not other. depressing per se. It's a thriller. There's a lot of, you know, gunplay and stuff. I feel the need to clarify that I have never been drunk in a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
that's your story. <laughs> you know, uh, from people who've never met you, they're just going to have to question that, I think. Which is quite funny because the people who have met me are probably laughing at that thought. Because you and I are a lot alike. and it, As it's, in we're thoroughly uninteresting. Yes. So that's why we did this podcast. Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I never drank in college because I did, when I, I was broke and I couldn't afford it. And I just didn't like the taste of beer. It just, ugh. So, <laughs> so I never got drunk ever. So anyone who would, like, if someone were to say that Pete, Pete Bauer was found in a ditch hungover they'd be like that's impossible right? because it's it's pete so i understand like anyone they, who really knows you would go tc would never be found in a ditch on purpose they'd probably well i may fall into the ditch though because i'm not entirely coordinated well that, that is true <laughs> while i'm sober that, that's true yeah but i feel like if you were ever found in a ditch people who knew you would just automatically assume that you'd been murdered like they wouldn't check for life science because <laughs> there's no other reason <laughs> i would be no in that ditch reason. face down yeah, that would be bad. You know, it was funny in college, um, because I never drank, again, because I had zero money, it became this streak. It was an unintended streak. So by the time I was a senior in college and I actually had interest in alcohol, none of my friends would let me drink because they're like, wait, you were going back then the University of Florida was a party school. It's one of the top 10 party schools in the nation. So has that really changed? I what changes, I think, within the 10. But I don't think it's left the top 10. But anyway, so they were like, wait, you're going to the number one party school in the nation and you've never had a drink? Yeah, we're keeping that streak alive because you're the only person we've ever known to do that. So so there'd be times I'd be like, no, I'll have like, I don't know, a wine cooler or whatever was out at the time. And they're like, no, 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 he'll have a Pepsi. That's what he's getting is a Pepsi I'm buying. He's having a Pepsi. Yeah, my streak was intact. I graduated not having alcohol. Again, boring, right? <laughs> so if I go to class in college and my tire falls off, believe me, right? It's the whole point. Oh. Well, you and I love stories. We do. And we love analyzing stories. We do. And we love analyzing movies in particular and television shows. So yes. because of that, because of our history of writing and acting and analysis... We are going to start a new segment to this podcast. We are? It's going to be so exciting. I'm so excited. Ah! It's called Spoiler Alert. Spoiler Alert. I feel like we should have some kind of alarm going yeah. off. Like, like, watch out. <laughs> we watch a lot of crime shows. A lot of crime shows. Most of the ones I watch are fictional. Yeah. Ever since you started writing, you watch oh my gosh. real life crime I just, shows. I should just have like... Like, you know, investigative discovery injected directly into my veins. I feel like you're more protective of me now I am. as an adult than I... you were when I was in college. Oh, my gosh. So we were in we were in a, in a hotel over the holidays and you and your brother were staying in one room and my wife and I were staying in the other. And then Gabe, my son, comes to our room and goes, well, where's Dorothea? And we're like, I, I don't know. She's I don't know. And he's like, well, she went downstairs and she hasn't come back. So. I've been watching all these shows, right? So I'm like, oh, serial killer, right? And Dorothea, she's, you know, she can defend herself. She's had, you've had Taekwondo training and MMA training. So if she's missing, oh my gosh, what kind of person, what? I've t told them never get into a car with a stranger because, <laughs> you know, if, if, if once you get in a car, you're almost guaranteed to be dead, right? So you're going to die, die in the parking lot where people can see whatever, right? <laughs> so these are awful conversations I have with my family because of I started writing mystery thrillers. So my wife's like, so she starts freaking out 
because she's mama bear and she's got to find her kids. And then I'm like, I'm going through all these investigative discovery scenarios in my brain. And then, you know, so what do we do? Where do we find you? I was downstairs in the lobby with my uncle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is almost as scary as my scenario. We were talking. Yeah. So there's some consequences, <laughs> unintended consequences to this whole writing thing. And that's one of them is I immediately saw, like, I could see myself being interviewed on an, on one of these shows going, well, what You happened? would demand to be interviewed. Yes, I would. That tragedy, you'd be like, you're well, talking to me. You're talking to me. I know how this works. Let's put this together. <laughs> no, anyway, so yeah, it's awful. So we do watch. We watch a lot of crime shows or crime movies. You know, like we like Hitchcock stuff. We like heist shows or, or NCIS or Castle or things like this, right? And because we watch a lot of these shows, we are very aware of how certain characters, certain plot points are revealed before they're actually revealed. We yeah. are able to see it coming. I don't want to tell too many stories in this episode because I don't want it to be too long. But very quick, there was one day that you and I were in the car with my brother, Gabriel, and and we were talking about all the ways that you can tell what's about to happen in or near a car based on the camera placement. For example, if someone gets in the car and you show them getting in the car from behind, I can guarantee you that someone's sitting in the backseat and is going to either surprise or murder them. Yep. And so we just started going off on all of right. these different like ways if, that if we can tell what if happens. people who are just together in the forbidden love or something and then you're showing the front angle and you only see them, but then you show someone from, from the side so you can see the background right through the window, you know they're about to get hit by a car. So we're going through like one after another. And this is the problem with being actors and working in entertainment and writing stories we see these patterns now all the time. It's like the matrix, right? We have like insight into the the storytelling matrix and we see these patterns come up. And so we're going through these lists of, well, and if they do this, the car is going to hit them. If they do this, it's a surprise attack. If they do this, we just listed all these things. And eventually after a few minutes, my brother just looks at us and goes, or everyone's okay. <laughs> we're like, what? Option B, he watches too many comedies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But because of that, we are going to give you guys some insight into how that world works. Into the matrix. Hopefully, it will inspire people to create new ways to reveal information. And if not, you can start gambling with your friends on who the bad guy is in any given television show. And the worst thing that can happen is we point out these spoiler alerts and I write them in my novels. That would suck. That would be really bad. Yeah. I would lose all faith in you as a person. Thanks. That's (laughs) sweet. All right, Kay. So the spoiler alert for this episode is... Identify the assistant. Yes. So what does that mean? Put it into context. So if you're watching a crime show and they're investigating the murder of a prominent businessman or one of their suspects is a prominent businessman and they give you the name of that person's assistant, but don't really bring them into the rest of the episode then they're definitely the bad guy. Or involved. Or involved in some way. So, for example, we go to a, like, head of a bank, right? The investigators go to their office. They think the banker's involved. And then the assistant Jimmy comes in. And the banker goes, oh, I'm sorry, this is my assistant Jimmy. And Jimmy says, I'm sorry, Mr. Banker, you have a 12 o'clock appointment. Thank you, Jimmy. And then Jimmy leaves. We never hear from Jimmy again. He's behind it all, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Almost every time. Almost every time. Or Jimmy's like being used or Jimmy. Jimmy's a key cog in the thing because there have been times where, and you pointed this out, there have been times where there's like five people in the room 
that are not the banker, like other board members or whatever, but they go out of their way to tell you about Jimmy, to just give him a name. If you give a character a name, they mean something. Because the thing is in stories, and this is going to sound terrible to people who aren't writers, but not everyone deserves a name. No. If you're not important to the story, you usually don't get one. Right. Now, the one exception to that is on the show Castle. There's a cop named LT who's been in the since the like the first episode. He's a black guy, actor, extra guy, like like featured extra. He almost never has any lines, but they always refer to LT and he's always involved. He's just part of the background, but they've actually given him a name, which I appreciate because he's important enough for the for the, you know, the ambiance of the of the show. I think you're really going to be surprised in the series finale. <laughs> Yeah. What LT's been up to. Yeah, all these years. Because they started mentioning him five years ago and now. Mwah. Yeah. So, spoiler alert. If they name the assistant and you never hear from them again, they will come up at the end of the show. And bets start at $10. That's right. That's right. It could be a drinking game. So, like, in future spoiler alerts, we'll tell you how you can usually figure out who's going to win Chopped. Things like that. We'll just, we'll just kind of let you know some of the patterns that we've seen. And if you don't want to hear it, you'll know to skip the spoiler alert section. <laughs> that's that's why we have the alarm. It's annoying, that alarm sound. No, but so are we, and they're still listening, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope. All right, so that is, my name is not Steve. Excellent. Yeah, my name is still not Steve for anyone who interacts with me. <laughs> you know what, This the, the little problem. So we can't have people on the show named Steve. We'll just change their name. Yeah, or use their middle name or something. And I don't really feel bad about that because everyone feels the need to change our names. <laughs> so <laughs> That's true. It's just a little sweet revenge. But, you know, so like Stephen King, we'd have to call him Mr. King or... I think if we get Stephen King on our podcast, we may just break that rule. <laughs> yeah, we may. he may have like a, a hall pass or something, <laughs> some sort of exception to the rule. Or we could just call him by his middle name. I don't know what his middle name is, but... See, now he's not coming. Aloysius. <laughs> Look what you've done. Cletus. Something like that. We could give, you know, we should come up with a generic non-Steve name for people named Steve. We'll call him Pete. <laughs> <laughs> it's only fair. Sounds good. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed. My name is not Steve. So thank you guys for joining us for our pilot episode of My Name is Not Steve. My name is Dorothea. My name is Pete. In case you were curious. We're not named Steve. <laughs> If you'd like to contact us or your name is Steve and you'd like to defend it, feel free to reach us at contactus at sunlightpress.com or to comment in the comment section. Right. And if you want to sign up for our mailing list, go to sunlightpress, that's S-O-N-L-I-G-H-T press.com and sign up for our mailing list. And we'll put you on our list and send you newsletters and information and things like that. I want to say we'll see you next time. Yeah. But that doesn't really apply. No, because we're not seeing them right now. <laughs> and they're not seeing us. So. So what are we going to say? We'll talk to you. We'll talk at you. We'll talk with you. We'll talk next time. <laughs> <laughs> on My Name is Not Steve. How about that? Excellent. I love it. All right. Excellent. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year.